Film on the Rocks is back, baby. Film on the Rocks has been Colorado's essential summer event for over 20 years. They feature live performances and movies under the stars at the iconic Red Rocks Park and Amphitheater. The summer series combines some of the best in culture, views, and cult classics. It's a movie experience like no other. These viewings fill up fast, so make sure you get your tickets ASAP. VR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. I'm your host, Rudo, joined by AJ Hayfley. And on today's show, it's been a couple days, took the weekend off. It's time to get into the hard questions, the serious questions about this Avs Vegas series and really uh, dig into the meat and potatoes of how it all fell apart. Rudo, so, what'd you yeah. do with your three days off? Uh, I did nothing and then got into a car accident and then have been dealing with that. So it's been a great three days. And I understand being upset about how things went, but you had to go and run into somebody. <laughs> right. All right. To be fair, I was not at fault. Okay. I feel like everybody says that about a car accident. All, all I'm saying is a dude over 70 who's had multiple strokes maybe shouldn't have a license. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, <Maybe>. I'm okay. <laughs> anyway, not the topic of today's show, although that series does feel a little bit like a car crash for the Avalanche, to be fair. Um, it really, really, uh, it kind of does, man. It kind of feels like it kind of feels like they got halfway through the intersection. Yeah, the, en- the engine stalled out, and then they just got t-boned. And then a semi came through. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and blasted them off the road, basically. Um, huh. Car accidents—they rock. Uh, look at the series as a whole. Obviously, the Abs lost four games straight. That's very bad. Um, you can pretty much discount game one, at least for any conversation that has to do with digging into what happened in this series, because the Avs blew them out and that was that. But uh, starting uh, the problems in this series really started in period two of game two, right? Um, the Avs would go from there for about, if you don't count the overtime, eight straight periods of Vegas kind of just dunking on them, at least in the underlying metrics. So, I mean, obviously we're going to break this down and and quantify things as best we can. But overarching, what was the biggest problem in this series, AJ? 
Um, well, I think number one for me uh, is just star player production. Yep. Um, I would I would say number one on my list. The first thing that I point to, Nathan McKinnon, games two through five, one yep. point. Yep. That right there. Um, even strength. That top line didn't do anything. Um, they they just have to they have to score more. Like, yeah. look, you look at the opposite side. Uh, Vegas's top six did basically all of the scoring. Yeah, but- you know they got they got a fourth line. They got a f- couple of fourth line goals at the end of the series, but otherwise. It was it was all it was all their their best players. Well, and I mean you go down the list to yes, obviously McKinnon is is the primary superstar on the team, but Landis Gog had two points in games two through six. Uh neither of which were goals if you don't count game one. So the production wasn't there either. And McCarr had three points in games two through six, a little bit better, but again, no goals in games two through six. So well, and, and with Makar, we saw uh, had the puck a lot. Yep. Was in the offensive zone a lot throughout the series, but was not as special with the puck as we have seen in the past. He's proven that he's capable of being. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's a different kind of problem. Definitely. Uh, um, but different conversation around the car in general there but yeah but i would say i would say your top line especially um the the next the next thing for me is phil grubauer in games four through six yeah i like games four and five i thought he was serviceable game game four i it was like he didn't have it and he wasn't great. It yep. was just okay. But it wasn't like this is a disaster. Game five, he really didn't play poorly. It wasn't it, and you look at the three you look at the three goals that they scored, and you're not like, oh my god, Groovy, what the hell? But at the same he, time, if he makes one big save, the Avs win one of those games, and it's a completely different series. Yeah, I get exactly. It. And then game six, he was just awful. Yeah, that no excuse for game six. He blatantly didn't have it from the first shot that went in where he didn't track a puck up. The yeah, he wasn't even was looking at it. And yep. So, you know, how different is game six if that goal doesn't get scored and the complete and Grubauer is actually like playing well. And like, the Avs are chilling up one nothing in the first yeah. period. Yeah. And who knows? And like they're, they were skating. They were playing well. They were, they were, it was good. Like, uh, so that and then number three for me is secondary production. Yeah, it didn't. Chad has already talked about Burakovsky in there. With he yeah. finally got the one goal in Game Six, but that's the thing, though. Too little, one, too late. Yeah, one one goal in that series. Yeah, I wrote in my series preview that the X factors for the the series were Jonathan Marchessault versus Andre Burakovsky. Jonathan Marchessault, I think, had five goals. I believe so. Yeah, Andre Burakovsky had one. Three of those came in one game, to be fair, but yeah. But then, even then, you, you still two that, other goals. Yeah, he still got and Burkowski still still got outscored, man. Yeah, like, yeah. 
And that line in general tore Colorado up. Yeah, Riley, they- Riley Smith. Um, yeah, Burkowski had one goal, I believe. I think he, I believe he finished the postseason with one goal and three assists. Yep. So that's that's prob that I just thought that was you know the lack of the lack of Nazem Kadri really exposed the second line. In yeah, general. Like, yeah. Tyson Tyson Jost. Look, it was all feel good when they were up two nothing in the series, but from a from a process standpoint, he got absolutely Caved. crushed. Yep. As that series went on, crushed. Yep. He finished bottom on the Avs with a 34.34% Corsi 4. And I'm not counting Sampo Ranta's 13 minutes. Yeah, in the two games he played, yeah. So Tyson Jost, 82 minutes at 5v5. Crushed. Absolutely put a big old spotlight on any idea that Nazem Kadri wasn't valuable or that they could win without him or whatever. They did not have an answer there. Well, and it's, I think the conversation goes deeper than that too, right? Because there's always players, especially in the playoffs, that have extremely poor underlying numbers but find a way to produce. And the Avs didn't really get any of that. I I mean, they had an unbelievably hot playoffs from Brandon Saad. Yeah. But beyond that, uh, their depth was at least when it comes to offensive production was pretty much non-existent. Uh, you got some production out of Don Square at the very, very end, like Burakovsky, but that's about it. Yeah. Well, and then <laughs> you think, you think Landy's going to take less money on his deal? Yeah, that would be crazy. Five and a half million dollars. Come on now. For a guy who's scored 20 goals, what, eight times now? Or is it yeah. seven? And he's gonna he's gonna take a two hundred thousand dollar pay cut. Not likely. Yeah. So that's that was bad. Like lines two and three, all of those just not. I mean, it was just bad. Yep. Um, they were they were awful, and then the really big glaring problem that they have is. Sam Gerard. Yeah. I he was not good at all. And look, we'll get to Patrick Nemeth, I'm sure, as well. But one of those dudes is a surefire top four defenseman on the Avs this year and indefinitely into the future. Yeah, there and, isn't there isn't a team in the NHL where Tam where Sam Gerard is not a top four defenseman. Right. And the concerning part about this series is not the not the situations where he maybe got beat physically or struggled in that way in the defensive zone. That I think you understand to a certain extent and you live with. But when you're watching Sam Gerard turn pucks over and struggle to break pucks out effectively, that's bad. I mean, that is really problematic for the way yeah. he plays. I mean, there was a moment in game six where he danced the four checker, gets away from him, and goes over to goes over to the right side of the ice. He's on his backhand now. And skates himself right into a problem. Yep. 
and makes a really poor attempt at backhanding the puck yeah, up well, and out of the zone. He, I mean, he comes up one-handed on his backhand anyway. And it's like, dude, yeah. and you're was... just causing problems for yourself. Yep. And it was kind of like that all series where they just they would just have to pressure him. And like yep. Sam Gerard makes his money as a guy who gets out of those <laughs> yeah. situations. That's right. specifically exactly. what you're asking him to do. Which is why his failure is way bigger than Patrick Nemeth's failures or Ryan Graves' failures, because you're you know what you're getting with those guys. You know that the, what their limitations were. In this series, what Sam Gerard does well, you just didn't see a whole lot of. And at five v five, he was on the ice for 12, 12 of Vegas's 17 goals in the entire series. That's a lot. 12 of 17 at 5v5 happened with Sam Gerrard on the ice. That's unacceptably bad. Yeah. So that's no argument that's, from me on that. It's a it's a it's a huge issue. And this this see what, what Brad is talking about with oh playing him with Ryan Graves kills him. It <laughs> I guess. Last year, last year, last year, it was Ryan. You know, Ryan Graves is being carried by Kale McCarr, and now Ryan Graves is killing I, Sam I, Gerard. But Ryan, Ryan Graves, a serial killer at this point. This dude is. Here's my problem with that. Unless you're playing him with McCarr, Gerard is going to be the go-to guy to break out the puck on whatever pairing he's on. Yeah, and he was used. When McCarr was healthy and they decided to go with Taves and McCarr together, they found an enormous amount of success with that pairing. Yep. P.S. That that pairing finished the series at like 50, yeah, 55%. Corsi. Yep. So they were pretty good. But Gerard was used a lot all year long. He was used a lot as like, like the 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 fixer yeah. with other guys. Just they put would, him with whoever kind of guy. Exa- yeah. Exactly, they would regularly put him with a, a, a rotation of guys, and he would be just fine. He would elevate that pairing because he's he's remains a very very good hockey player. Yeah, I, like don't get us wrong. We'll continue breaking down this series on Gerard, but. On the whole, the Avs are still in love with the contract they've given to Sam Gerrard yeah, and his was, career going forward. This was year one of seven. So, it was, Honestly, it, it felt reminiscent of last year with Devon Taves in the playoffs. Where you saw this guy who you know is capable of being a high-quality top-four defenseman but struggled heavily in this playoff series specifically. The same way Taves did against Tampa Bay last year in the bubble. Um, well, and we saw some of those same struggles from him this year against Vegas, but... Not nearly as bad. But he yeah. fought through it, yeah, and he fought through it to have some level of Our, effectiveness. Honestly, there's probably 
decent argument that Taves was the guy's best defenseman in that series, in the Vegas series. But we can talk about that a little bit more in just a second as we are brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Check out the DNVR Avalanche. You always see me drinking it down at the DNVR bar, um, which, you know, you can still come on down there, whether it be for Rockies games. We have some stuff planned to do down there in the offseason as well. So. Even if there's no Avs hockey on the televisions, it should be a fun time. Also brought to you by Green Mountain Dental Group, the best family dentist in the Denver metro area, just 15 minutes from downtown over in Lakewood. They are awesome. They will make sure they remind you of when your appointments are and remind you to schedule ones in the future as well. We've had bunches of people switch and they all say they're great. So schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam with them and they'll hook you up with a free Sonicare toothbrush. Also. Even if it's the off season, we still have a ton of content coming your way, uh, whether it be these podcasts or other YouTube videos. Be sure to check out our second channel as well. I'll be posting loads and loads and loads of highlights from the season over on that channel very shortly here. So check those out as well and uh, check out AJ's articles. I know he's working on a couple things right now, as well as as we get closer to expansion draft regular draft and free agency you know things will get all hyped up and rolling there so yeah all right second period of the dnvr avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings sportsbook aj the i think this is an interesting conversation because on the one hand yes the Avs didn't get any top end production or not nearly enough but they did when you're watching the games, the defense always seems to be the more glaring issue, right? Because particularly the, the string of egregious breakdowns and turnovers that we've seen from the Avs, especially in their weaker games in this series. And Look, I I don't think we really need to relitigate the whole Patrick Nemeth situation or anything like that. Are we, we done with Gerard? I, we can continue if you have more to say on Gerard because the thing with Gerard is I'm not really worried about this being a long-term problem. Like, yes, this is something that will come up when the Avs are in the playoffs again next year. But as far as the regular season is concerned, I'm not worried about it. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> regular season, different animals for sure. Yeah, they've they've shown that they're just fine there. Yeah, but do we have identity concerns here? Like, what? How do you help? How do you better help Sam Gerrard next season? Um, in the playoffs, I assume you mean just in general. Yeah, or yeah. if he goes through a stretch like this, sure. Yeah, and for the for the record, no, we're not engaging in any of this. Dumbass, no. are they shopping Sam Gerard talk? It's stupid. We're not. We're not messing. If you're we're not considering time on that. trading Sam Gerard, take one look at his contract, laugh, and say no to all offers. Yeah. No. Um. So you're not. <laughs> look, I. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. In two years, if Gerard's play. Has continues continues to, to be way. problematic in the postseason. Absolutely. Then, but. then maybe you start to look around. But this is uh, any anything other than that right now is stupid. I, it's just stupid. I think 
Brad is sort of on the right track here. I don't think it's necessarily playing him with Byram, but I do think it is playing a defenseman like Byram. Because if you look at the way Vegas plays hyper-aggressively, and Sam Gerrard is struggling to get pucks out, he's walking himself into trouble, if you can shift away from him a little bit more and move to someone like Byram, who's his whole thing is extremely good at getting pucks out with his feet. Yeah. So if Sam Gerrard is struggling a little bit, you need to be able to shift into a role where you can put someone else who's reliable breaking pucks out on their own. And well, how about a different name to suggest here? Go for it. What about Connor Timmons? Also an option. Because while Timmons wasn't lights out, he was solid for sure. He was, he was very quietly. Well, the Avs were like, collapsing around him in games three and four. He was arguably the Avs' best defenseman. So yeah, he was very quietly in that series. He and he actually ended up okay. You know, actual shot attempts. He was negative in the series, but actual actual shots on goal, dead even. Yep. With Connor Timmins on the ice, five v five in that series, he was he was dead even. And actually led the entire abs team. Sounds about right. At 50%. So, you know, we saw Timmons really start to turn it on at yep. the end of the season against some of the bad teams, against the Sharks and the Kings. And you started to see. There's something okay, here. This yeah. is where the hype is coming from. Yep. And then really, really solid play. Throughout the postseason, like wasn't special, was not, you know, was not lights out. But there was but, enough. You started to see the decision making come online a little bit. Yeah, you started to see, you started to see an understanding of his his understanding of his own limitations. Yep. Because he understands that he can't make mistakes. Like the the mis- a great example of this. The mistake that Ryan Graves made yeah. at the end Timmons of game five and in overtime. One either. Yeah. You saw Timmons make that mistake a multitude of times early in the season. In the regular season. And yeah. now he's learned that. Can't and then that. Yeah. you just, that just was not a regular part of his game anymore. Well, would, I he, think... would he still get a shot blocked? Yes. Guess what? That is going to happen. That is part of the gig when you shoot from the blue line. Well, but. I I forget which game it was, but I remember pointing this out too. At near the end of the regular season, he got a shot blocked up high, and the dude was immediately zipping backwards out of the zone, saying, "There's no way I'm letting anyone pass me because of this." Yeah. Well, there was also the there was also this the thing that he decided that he was also effective, where if he got the shot blocked, he would just skate into the guy, the dude, too, and put and put his shoulder into his chest. And separate him from the puck. And then he was like, okay, I need help. Yeah. But I have bought three seconds for my teammates. And Either he, way, it's not it, just he's blocked it and he's beat. Yeah. Exactly. So it's it it, it got better. Mm-hmm. And I think between when you look at what they have right now for next year's defense, for right now, you look at Kale McCarr. Connor Timmons, Eric Johnson on your right side. Yep. 
And on the left side, you have a combination of Devon Taves, Sam Gerrard, Bowen Byram, Ryan Graves, Jacob McDonald. Yeah. I Those mean, are all the guys who are either still under under contract or will be back. That's like, look, I know I know Jamie Alexiak is on the table, and that's sure something we'll talk about later. Well, and we're, we're going to get but... when we get into free agents and stuff. Like, there's a number of guys that you'd have an interest. Like Adam Larson is a guy that you could you could of have course. an interest in. But you know, uh, there will be names that we can talk about. Where can this guy help? Sure, I we we can totally get to that later. But for right now, yeah, well, look at that eight D, and this, I don't think you're going to find many, certainly eight deep, that are as good as what the Avalanche have. The problem in this series was that basically none of them played to the level that they're capable of. And granted, look, not having EJ probably hurts as well. Certainly a steadying force on that blue line. Mm -hmm. Um, But the reality is when you're running a bottom pairing of players like Patrick Nemeth and Ryan Graves, you know, however they, they want to mix the the pairs up, whatever. Those are the bottom two D on the, on the core. I guess Timmons you could throw in there too, but anyway, you know what you're going to get to a certain extent, certainly out of Patrick Nemeth and to a lesser extent out of Ryan Graves. And yeah, I think at times Patrick Nemeth really did struggle in this series, but the Mm -hmm. expectation is that your top four D are going to pick those guys up and do good things on the other end of the ice. And the Avs just didn't get enough of that out of their decor in this one. The so, while I agree with you, mm-hmm. the other the other problem here, and this is why I think it's funny that people are demanding that they go and get size, because the two biggest dudes on their defense <laughs> did just do just got annihilated in yeah. that series. Yep. Annihilated. Patrick Nem is 6'3, 230, and nobody was happy he was even in the yeah. lineup finished, at the end of that series. So finished at 34% Corthy in that series. 36% actual shots on goal. Now, did not get scored on as much as people thought. I, I, again, Patrick Nemeth is the victim of the Oh my God, egregious mistake. It's not the total accumulation of smaller errors. It's the hilariously bad turnover that you can't even fathom why he made that decision. Yeah. And people so, remember those goals a lot more. Right. But at during the series at 5v5 on the ice for two goals, four and four goals against. Yep. Okay. Sure. So... The the actual pucks in the back of the net overstated. Now with Ryan Graves on the ice for four goals, four equals against. A little bit at five v five higher octane there for sure. Yeah, and granted, Graves played twenty extra minutes. That's a full game's worth of for a defenseman uh, of, of of ice time for Ryan Graves, but it also thirty eight percent. I mean, got devoured. In that series. Well, and you you look at how these series played out. Yeah, you want to go get a Blake or a Bork? 
just go get a Hall of Fame defenseman. So you just want to you want one Hall of Fame defenseman in his prime and the other one right at the end of the road. All right. Let me I just I don't think Zdeno Char is coming out west. Otherwise, there you go, right? Let like, me just that would be uh, the option. Let me just turn the salary cap off real quick and then the Evs can go get whoever they want. Yeah, I just so this is why this is why like we will get into the different names of guys that they can go and get once uh, free agency slash deadline or rather uh yeah like draft get closer yeah yeah well and we'll get we'll get into a lot of those types like alec martinez would actually be an interesting name to talk about if you think that i think he's 33 years old a little on the old side i think if you if you think that you're buying big on that uh, on on it being real then okay you know um but anyway i don't want to get i don't want to get for the future for the future. P.S. I have no interest in Zdeno Chara, personally. I didn't last year. I don't this year. I was just saying yeah. a Hall of Fame type guy at the at, at the, the end of, of the year. Which I, I don't even know if he'll come back next year, but I don't I don't have any idea. But it's funny to me that Sam Gerard is getting crushed for being too small, and everybody's like, Well, you gotta get bigger. Okay, well. In the NHL, the vast majority of the time, you go and get bigger, you give up skill. Yep. That's how it goes. Once you start to get over about six foot two, you start giving up skill by a lot. Yep. So you've got to try, you've got to, you've got to try and balance it, right? And they've got a guy, we talked about him all series. He'll be a regular for the Avs next year, who's six foot one and already 200 pounds in Bowen Byron. So a little That's, physical maturity, a little added strength, blah, 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 blah. That might honestly be all they need to do. Let's just yeah. add that guy. Straight up. Another I, another year for another year for Connor Timmons. Yep. And then whatever at this point you have to under whatever whatever you get out of Eric Johnson, you're happy with. Right. If he's healthy and, and can play great. Yeah. If not, you cross that bridge when you get there. Yeah. If you're looking, if you're fine giving up skill for size, you end up with Patrick Demuth. This is exactly the point that I am making. You can't both be mad about Sam Gerrard and his play and say we have to get bigger guys and, and then want to take want Patrick to get Nemeth out of the rid of Patrick Demuth, <laughs> yep. who is the exact archetype that is the opposite of Sam Gerrard. Yep. And if you want to find the balance, you have to pick in the top five. Yeah, if because you want to find guys, the balance, you're talking about Hall of Fame players. You're talking about the best in the league, the guys who were like six foot two and great skaters and move pucks really well. Like those are really, really, really hard guys to find. Just go out and get a Victor Hedman. That's all you have to do. Yeah, just go get just go get a guy that's six foot five and skates like the wind and does yeah. everything well. Right, exactly. <laughs> So, but this is this is like why we will talk about a guy like a Jamie Alexiak, who it's funny that he's already become like the big name that we're talking about because he still has to get to market. <laughs> Very and like could be signed. <laughs> that's like 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 next week. Yep. Next week that guy's gonna sign like a five year deal and stay in Dallas, and it's like, well, this is well, why the agency sucks. Well, also why we told you all to wait. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah. Anyway, point being, um, I think uh, I think defensively, you can look at the problems, but you can also say next year they don't need like major changes. Maybe adding a guy, 
would be but great. The, the not even I barely even call that tinkering, right? You're talking yeah. about adding a bottom pairing guy but at most. For the most part, you're saying how do we improve on defense? Bowen Byron becomes a regular. Connor Timmons, second season. Sam Gerard further development. Kale McCarr further development. Yeah. You're hoping you're hoping that you continue to get the best that you can out of Devontae's. Because if historically ninety percent of the duty was this year. Historically speaking, guys like Devon Taves, who are really late bloomers, also have really short primes. Yep. And so there's a concern from my end about how long they're going to like four year deal. The first year you couldn't have asked for anything more. Yep. From Devon Taves. So as long as as long as he could continue it, you're not even asking for better next year. Just do it again. Yeah, like I said, I take ninety percent as good. So, <clears throat> and this is this isn't. I I wanted to focus a lot on the defense because there's a lot of talk about it. It yeah. was a it was definitely an area a sore spot in that series, but I definitely think that it's this is a team on yeah. on the right track. Yep. So, it, uh, yeah, I don't. The thing is, like, yes, there are, again, the defense had glaring issues, but the only reason those glaring issues popped up is because the Avs couldn't finish. Uh, Someone said it earlier in chat, the Avs led in five of these games Mm -hmm. and had plenty of opportunities to bury Vegas, but they just couldn't get that next goal. Lost two games in which they had third period leads. Yep. When you lose a series 4-2. It's an even series if you... You just flip them. those games, or if you win them, Colorado wins. Over, Colorado yeah. wins game three, and they win game five, and we're you're done. Yep, series is over. Yep, but they didn't. Um, we can talk a little bit more about that in a second. I do want to get to the super chat really quick from Jacob. He says, "Are we doomed to hear Seth Jones rumors because of the Joe Sackett connection?" What Joe Sackett connection? Yeah, I don't know that connection. Is it either. like the Joe Sackett Popeye Jones connection? The same reason that the abs were going to draft him. Um, yeah, just want to make sure. I'm just wanting to make sure I'm on the, the same question page. accurately. Yeah. yeah, I'm on the same page there. Regardless, I don't think the abs are trading for Seth Jones. Uh, no. <laughs> Look, dude, you can't. You you can't also be like the abs need to go out and get somebody better on defense, and then have a guy who is coming off of um, awful season (laughs) and then pay the, and then pay the price that will cost to trade for him and then sign him. Yes. That would be Jacob. That would be significant. Yeah. So uh, I'm not um, even, we'll just, we'll just say no. no Yeah. Um, I will say that the Dougie Hamilton news today was way more interesting for me. Oh boy, here we but go. One, one. Nemeth isn't the only big D man for comparison, but he is the he's the archetype. Look at there are three Patrick Nemeths like on average on every defense. Yeah, I I look at the two D men that are on the bigger side on the AFS decor. Nemeth and Graves. Yeah. They took, the same guy. They took the most shit of anyone on the Avs decor in this series. Yeah. So. 
and like the, the like Eric Johnson was drafted first overall for a reason. Yep. Like because because a guy that's six foot six and can and skate, skate like that <laughs> and can move pucks is like a unicorn. Like you just don't see those cats. So that's why that's why I'm saying like that's the that's the archetype. Yep. So like I mean you you watch you watch some of the guys from Vegas. Like I I love Zach Whitecloud, but you get to the end of the series. There's a skill cap there for Whitecloud. You get to the end of the series. P.S. You want you want a bigger physical D man? Look at the three guys who produced the worst on ice results for Vegas. Alec Martinez, Nick Holden, and Braden McNabb. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. You know, Nick Haig was effective, but limited minutes, which you could make the same argument for Braden McNabb, only about 50, 40, 50 to 40 minutes or so. Chat, I, I know I've seen chat talking a lot about one, if EJ is healthy, two, if Kadri isn't suspended. This season, those are cop outs. You had a yeah. mostly healthy team. You weren't missing any of your star players. Yeah, The Avalanche had a grade-A shot as it was. All they had to do was win one of four games in a row, and they get Kadri back for game seven. All they had to do was close two third-period leads that they, they they built, that they earned, that they, yep. that they got. There's no excuse of uh, missing EJ or, or Kadri or pick of one of the fourth liners that was out that's not a big enough problem they just needed to play better i, I yeah, you like, saw, you, like you saw the convergence in game six right grubauer games one through three played very very well games one through four ish whatever Grubauer was playing well when the Avs weren't getting production then the Avs start getting production and all of a sudden grubauer can't make a save Things just didn't quite yeah. line up for the Avs. Yeah, and look, that's it's a huge reason why it's really hard to win a Stanley Cup. Yep, because everybody has to be pulling on the rope the same direction at the same time. You got to get a little bit lucky along the way. The Avs got just unlucky enough, and then ran into poor play from key players. Yep, and look, th- to be honest with you, missing Nazem Kadri hurt. JT Comfer filled in ably for him. He was fine, but it wasn't the second line wasn't the threat that it could have been. Exactly. Like you take William Carlson out of that series, how different is it? Yep. It's a huge difference. There's a there's the, that guy was going to make that guy was going to make a difference. We're talking about EJ a lot because EJ is under contract. He's very likely not going anywhere. And as long as he's healthy, he'll play next year. Yep. And if he's not, then he'll sit and we'll be in this position again of talking about the, what the team looked like without him. You just never know. Now, you're not banking on him being healthy, of course, but it, you know, he's on track to be healthy at the start of next season. So we're going to talk about it. If he's yep. around, if he's around, then great. Yeah. I, the reality of those situations is especially with EJ the expectations are that he's not going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, look, if we've, we've been things start for... happening, happening, they start happening, but yeah, we've been, we've been talking for two months now about him waving his NMC and it not being a concern. Yep. It will be fine. 
look, he's I mean, not he's not going to be a part of. He's in the, the only way he ends up a factor in the expansion draft is if Colorado is like you can get rid of the six million dollars. Look, this conversation keeps coming back to the same thing people are talking about was Byram not playing a factor look yes guys like Kadri EJ Byram they could have been a factor we'll never know because they didn't play in the series exactly how it would have shaped up but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day are you not just moving pawns around because none of these guys are Nathan McKinnon none of these guys are are your top line are your best players they're your secondary guys and at the end of the day, your best players are the ones who failed to get it done critically in games three, four, and five. Mm-hmm. So you can move the pawns around all you want, but it's the queens, the rooks, the knights, the bishops that that do the heavy lifting. Yeah. So McKinnon had, McKinnon played great in game six, but like I said, when the top line finally showed up, Grubauer disappeared. Yeah. They didn't line up for him. Uh, we do have to take our second period break, though, as we are brought to you by Hassle Cattle Company. Bring in yet damn good beef. You can get their Wagyu beef burgers down at the DNVR bar if you want to try them. They are delicious. Highly recommend. And you can order at HassleCattleCompany.com. Get 10% off and use code DNVR10 for all of their meats. If you want to do a group order, $200 gets you free shipping as well. So they can cover all the types of meat you're looking for, whether it be the Wagyu, whether it be sirloins, whether it be in ribeye in bone in words yeah they have great meat really though i words. really do love their stuff i'm a big fan of words i i like hassle cattle company beef better than words to be honest with you delicious <laughs> also strava craft coffee the cbd infused coffee they've been with us for a long time another product you can get at the dnvr bar cold brew when you order online for the first time you can get 25 percent off with dnvr 25 and when you sign up for their subscription service you get 20 percent off for life if coffee is not your thing you can head over to solace meds that's s-o-l-a-c-e meds.com and you can get 20 percent off on a bunch of select products there use code dnvr20 at checkout to get 20 percent off they have other great deals in store as well you can get your stuff online and go to one of their four locations here in colorado for pickup get in get out super quick super easy get what you need they're awesome just like all of our other sponsors can't recommend these people enough they do great work and they hook up all y'all again use the dnvr 20 code to get what you need all right third period of the dnvr avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings sportsbook what is the solution because i think i know what we are going to say about the McKinnons and, and McCars of the world. And to a certain extent, it just boils down to them playing better. But I, I think for a lot of the fan base, that's not a good enough answer. They have to get over that. Fair enough. The same way Tampa Bay's fans had to get over when they got swept after winning the president's trophy yep. and having like 126 point season or whatever. Like that was a nightmare. They made no major changes. They didn't fire their head coach. They didn't do anything. They just sat there and said, you know what? We believe in our talent. And they worked. And it's gone pretty well for them so far. Right now, that's what Colorado needs to do. They need to believe in their talent. A surprisingly optimistic viewpoint from this podcast. So, I mean, they're, they're there, man. 
Like you I, don't win a president's trophy because you fluked into it. Yeah. They're there. Like and, they're they've got the they've got the goods. Now they have a they have a tough offseason ahead of them. They have some really have hard decisions sure. to make. They've got some really tough conversations that they have to have. They've they've got to manage a difficult offseason well. This is not going to be like the last two offseasons where they have just enough cap space that they can go and just start buying up players. They can they can go and look at okay, we are going to take it to they took advantage of cap strap teams in Toronto, Washington, and the Islanders. Yep. Now they're the cap strap team. So they they're either going to have to get real creative. Joe Sackick's gonna to have to really like master hypnotism via phone. <laughs> or they're just going to have a very different look in this offseason. Well, and the thing is, I think what lessens the load of some of those decisions this year is you have an Alex Newhook that looks pretty darn ready for the NHL. Yeah. You have a guy like Martin Cout waiting in the wings. And all of a sudden, the decisions on guys like a Matt Calvert, uh, like a Pierre-Edouard Belmar, the stuff at the bottom of the lineup doesn't hold quite as much weight to it. Um, so that part of it gets easier. With that being said, Brandon Saad, arguably the Avs MVP of the playoffs, his offseason is going to be fascinating because yep. he kind of controls his destiny. Does he does he want a really, really easy life and go to Edmonton where they will surely overpay him? Make does, he wanna, yep. does he want to go be part of a rebuilding where they will surely overpay him in L.A.? Or does he want to stay here and compete for something? And take? he'll have to take a little bit less money. He's not... I. I would really, really just looking at the market, looking at how much money teams are going to have, looking at the quality of players. I just can't imagine a world in which Brandon Saad gets six million again. I, I mean, every time the conversation comes up, it's oh, well, now the flat cap might be four years. Now it might be five years. Yeah. Now, it, so it's definitely going to be hard for those type of players to really get big money. I will say, I think that it helps. Sod's case for taking less money. The fact that he's been making six million for the last what four or five years. Yep. Yep. Because now he's not, he won't be quite as motivated. Like you look at a guy like Devon Taves, he got traded last year. He had to cash in. This is his one real opportunity to make big money. Yeah. He had he had to cash in. Yep. And that is probably the biggest. The sixteen million or so will probably be the big contract of Demontes' career. Thirty-one at the end of that deal, and Brandon Todd has already made like thirty-five million dollars or something in his career. Yep, he's, he's already not exactly strapped for cash. Yeah. He's already made real good money. He's gonna he's gonna make real good money on whatever contract he gets this offseason. But he can he can approach it with different priorities than a guy like Devontae's last year. Now, Taves was an RFA, so he didn't have the luxury of leveraging an entire league against each other. Yeah. But I think that I think it's going to be a really interesting I mean, situation for him because in Colorado, he can look at it and say, I loved this run. I loved being in the city. I loved being part of it. Players tend to stay here. Yep. Um, when, when you talk about 
life stuff. Players like being here. To to George's point, who asks, is it really that big of a deal? I think my question would be, where is the line that you draw? Uh, do are do you move heaven and earth to bring someone like Saad back? Like if it comes down to it and he wants money, do you consider moving out? Without getting into too much of the details, because we don't know who gets tanked in an expansion, but mm-hmm. would you, let's say Donskoy gets tanked, would you also move like a JT Confer out actively for less money to make room for Assad? If you could, yeah, sure. of course. But he really, between between the Tyler to Foley deal last year, I think that's the low bar. Yeah. If Colorado could do that, I think that they would have to, it would be, it would. How do you say no to that kind exa- of, yeah. Exactly. Like how, how do you not find room for that guy? Yeah. For that deal. Now, the other contracts that we haven't talked as much about, it's all the big three, Yeah. but they have new contracts for Connor Timmons and Tyson Jost. Timmons, I fully suspect is a qualifying yeah, offer that's deal. A, that's a QO. I fully Don't. expect that's a QO, but I want to bring it up and just leave it open that that's the kind of contract where you could steal value if you so really wanted to. You see something you like, you give him like a three-year 1.5 or something. Yeah, Exactly. Where you overpay him just a touch right now, but by years two and three, you're like, <laughs> about it because it's nothing. Yep. Like you look around the league and a guy like Dylan DeMello making $3 million. Patrick Nemeth is coming off of a $3 million deal like, and you have Connor Timmons at 1.5. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's, I only bring it up because I want to say that that is exactly the kind of contract that you can steal value on if you want to get aggressive with the term on that one. For sure. Because young players typically like safety. They, they, they t- especially guys who are not star caliber players who are in line for a massive do you Do you not have a similar-ish conversation with Tyson Jost, given, like, if you believe in his second half of the season that he had? This is this is the other one that I wanted to get to, is that yeah. Tyson Jost uh, has a really interesting, uh, maybe the most interesting contract negotiation of Colorado's offseason. Yep. <sighs> what do you do with it? Because it's, first it's half of the real, season... Yeah. I believe I believe I went and looked this up. I could probably actually pull this up I'm pretty sure quickly. It's got but, notes here somewhere, yeah. It, uh, I believe it was the last twenty six games of the regular season. He was a he was a point five per game yeah, player. I, that I was something like thirteen points in twenty six games, or fifteen points in like thirty games, or something. But yeah, the the production started to come online in the second half of the season for Tyson Jost. There's no doubt about that one, and. That the question that the Avs have to answer 14 is, and 28. There you go. So, right in between. Yeah. Uh, but that is a middle six NHL player if you yeah. can produce like that consistently. Well, and then, and then you consider that he produced four points in, in the, the postseason. 20, four points. Was it that much? Yeah, I guess because he came in at the end too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he had four points. He had four points in the postseason. And, despite his getting shelled in the numbers in the Vegas series. So four points in 10 games in the playoffs, like not amazing, but that's fine for a solid third line player. Yeah. And consider that he spent the entirety of the six game Vegas series playing up. Yep. That he was above taking his head a little bit. For exactly. Sure, yeah. He was drowning in his matchup because he was playing somewhere. He shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. So 
you keep that in mind, but you also have to recognize that the first part of the season did exist. Three points in 26 games. You have to be really careful with whatever contract you're, it is. That because you can't do that shit. You're talking about being on the verge of getting benched at that level of production. Yeah. I mean, we were like, and it wasn't just him. You remember that Colorado's entire bottom six was just had doing nothing. A glacial start to the season. Belmar had three points for like 20 games and they were all empty netters. So yeah, they Belmar Belmar was no offense for about 30 games. Yep. JT Confer, same thing. Yep. Matt Calvert had the injury issues, so he never really got into a rhythm, but he didn't score a goal this year. And Tyson Jost was the same thing. So it was all of Colorado's bottom six, except Jonas Donskoy, who was shooting 25% for two months. And then in the second half of the season, forgot how to score. (laughs) Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. Um, But with, with Jost, you have to really wonder like which one is the real one. He averaged 13.44 of ice time in that 26 games where he scored three points. Yeah. And in the second half, likely averaged a bit more than that by the end of it. But It was at 14.29 for the so second half of the regular that's season. That, that's only a minute more. That's not that. Right. Average. But that's, I mean, that's, a minute is a real, like, that's a, that's a real jump because he was, yeah, and then in the postseason, fifteen forty-one. Yeah, where he's playing above his head again. But yeah, um, yeah, and I mean, if you're the Av side, right, you probably try and split the difference, and you say, "All right, we're not going to pay you like a four forty point per game player or a forty point player in an eighty-two game season, but we're also not going to play you like a fifteen point player." Right, we're not going to give you another qualifying offer. Right. <laughs> You land somewhere in the middle. Can you give him the deal that they gave Nachushkin? That feels a touch expensive. Agreed. But I wanted to ask the question. Yeah. I that's yeah, that's I mean the the deal you want to give him if you're Colorado is like Arvidsson, right? <laughs> well <laughs> I know that's not realistic, but I think the deal. I think I, I think the deal that you want to give him is more like, um, what was it, Yarncrook? But which was that one was like four or five years, right? Just like nonsense. Looking it was like, yeah. six years at two million dollars. Six year, yeah, you'd do that in a heartbeat. <laughs> like <laughs> what? What is that contract? <laughs> Six years at two million per. Just for, sign for six years at two million per. You do that. That's for a for career sure. high of 35 points. Oh my god. Yeah. Although, wow, Yarn Crook, he only scored more than two playoff points one time. Well, you know, that's why you get two million for the next six years, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so like if you're going long term like that's obviously your dream like yeah. that's but that's a silly I, idea i mean i i think the number's correct though like two million you want this contract to come in somewhere around two million hopefully a little under if you're the avs but it, you're hoping to get two maybe three years out of that probably in reality yeah, I, I think if you're giving him the jump to two million you have to ask for three years. the third year yeah yeah okay 
I'd be I think okay so. with that. Yeah. And then they're gonna say, "Oh, well, how about one year at three million? And then you're just like, "No." <laughs> what are we even doing here? Yep. <laughs> yep. So I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think, I think two million dollars is right in the neighborhood of where I would be comfortable with. I think that's that's pretty accurate. I actually do think JT Miller would be a target for Colorado, but they're not moving Sam Gerard. It would be stupid to move Sam Gerard. Yeah, the wrong the wrong piece to to move there. Yeah. Also, you're gonna you're gonna bring in JT Miller and you're gonna keep Nazem Kadri. Tough sell there. I don't know. I just don't know why. I mean, it, yeah, Kadri especially, he's going to be at his best playing at center. You have Newhook, who's been solid. It would be hard to. I liked Newhook a lot. I did too. Like, I think he should be an NHLer next year, like full time. Uh, Granted, do we think that that's going to happen? Do I think it's going to happen? Ask again when we see him at camp. Really? Because I think I think it is. I don't know what kind of role they envision for him, but I think that it was pretty telling that they brought him along as quickly as they did. Like they were like, okay, let's see how he does in the AHL. And he was like, LOL, I pooped on that league. And then you know, got to the NHL and it was like like you could see the difference between New Hook and Ranta. Ranta was Lost. lost. Yeah. It was sure. way too I, much for him. I mean, but Newhook didn't have that. Newhook had one bad game, one game where you were like, this has really gone poorly for him. But he makes two high skill plays that result in goals for depth lines for them. And yeah. I think that I look, I think Newhook's got to be, I think he's in, he's got to be playing for. I think year. he probably has the inside line now. Um, I'm not going to guarantee anything because. Again, we don't know what happens in in the off season. Yeah, for all we know, the Avs could go out and get centers. I don't want him on the fourth line, though. It doesn't make a ton of sense to keep him on the fourth line. It's such an easy slot in on the third line for him next year. Yeah, I mean, Nachushkin, Jostin, Newhook. Yeah, run it. Just let that line four check people to death. Yeah. Um, but it would yeah. be an interesting. I think I think the real I mean we're talking all these different guys and oh go and get this guy go and get that guy but I think Colorado has some choices to make because next year you have real conversations you've got Logan O'Connor yep you want you want Logan O'Connor to be a regular yep Newhook burned a year the second he signed his contract yep. it didn't matter how many games I mean, he played it's, it's he could have sat around the rest of the season smoking, and he would have burned that the first year it, of his contract. But it's way deeper than Logan O'Connor, right? You have you now have to have a serious conversation about when is Martin Kaut, if ever, going to be a regular NHLer? Yeah, what well, this is what I'm getting Shane to. Powers, yeah, you you. It's not just it's it's you have real conversations about Alex Newhook, Shane Bowers, Martin Kaut, Sampo Ranta, Logan O'Connor. Am I missing anybody? Probably. Um, I mean, those are the most Santa, New Hook, and O'Connor. Those five guys. Like those five guys. That's five guys. That's that's 
Yep. Your entire bottom six. I mean, the chat will already know, like, for us, this is an easy... It's an easy conversation to just get rid of the Jason Magnas of the world. But we are very pro-young yeah. prospects on yeah, this podcast, so... So... That's... Like... That's the, what their plans are for those guys. I think is really important too, because yeah. like like Sam Paul, I don't think you have to. I think he showed he could really use some AHL time. That one, I don't like. I barely even count him in that list. I, there's a significant gap of the new hook, Cout Bowers, and then you kind of have Ranta. Well, and your but... your conversations with Cout and Bowers are mostly just if not now when. Correct. Especially like, with Cout, I I don't. If he's not going to play next year, I don't. How do you ever get him into the lineup? Yeah, like it's like what's going on here? Um, because I think O'Connor has an easy easy line. He should be an easy slot in next year. At at absolute worst, that dude's a thirteenth forward for you. At absolute, agreed totally. Because we saw it's funny because when he came back at the end of the year, we saw both the good and bad. His first game, you saw what you really liked out of him. Speed, physicality, kind of falls his way into scoring chances, even though he can't finish. Yeah. And then the second game, you're just like, well, he's not doing anything. He's playing like shit. And you're like, okay, this is why he's a fourth-line player. Yep. So, with O'Connor, I think you're good there. Um, To be honest, I wouldn't, surpri- I wouldn't be surprised if Kiefer Sherwood got involved in that bottom yeah. six mix. I but mean, I don't really – I don't really want to continue to get into this yeah. part of the conversation. Save that for the middle of the off season, for sure. Yeah, I just think that when we're talking about what went wrong, a lot of this is like cut some of this dead weight. Belmar gone, Soderberg gone. Turn turn it over. You know, you're losing somebody in expansion. Yep. Until you know who that is. It has it has a pretty big impact on what your plan is. Depending on if it's a forward or a D, especially, yeah. Because if you lose Graves, you're just like, oh, Bowen Byron, come on down. Yeah, right. The the Graves conversation is an easy one. <laughs> and you... maybe, maybe it has a minor effect on the Justin Barron timeline. Sure. Because it's mean, just it, one less body in it, this way. I think it, probably quicker tunes up the go get a Jamie Alexiak or something like that. Yeah. But, but in any case, yeah, I would it, agree. It, it, however, if they lose a forward, that's where the conversation gets more interesting because yeah. you have that's where those five guys roll in. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, you lose Donskoy. Now, if you lose Comfer, you're like, okay, given what he gave the abs this year, this isn't, this shouldn't be too difficult for them to replace. If it's Don Scoy, like you're like, okay, we need we need thirty points. Somewhere. That dude actually produced, yeah. Yeah, you need to get thirty points somewhere. Ananen Ananen is in the AHL, so he's got to he's got to do something first in in the AHL. The dude has played essentially zero professional hockey in North America, so yeah. You're if you want to be hyped on him, be hyped, but I'm not about to tell anybody not to be excited for him. He came. He came over and played three games for the Eagles, where he was okay. Yeah, 
but it was at the end of a really long year, a weird year. He didn't play very much all season. His first three North American games. That's a big adjustment for goaltenders. It, if Anandin plays in the NHL next year, the Avs are either in deep, deep trouble in the goaltender position, or he is running away with the AHL Goalie of the Year award. Or they did something really stupid again. Also an option, yes. <laughs> <laughs> because right now, I think a goaltender, the big conversation is how how much damage did Philip Grubauer do to his own market with a poor finish to the Vegas series? Yep. The big question has always been, can you win big with Philip Grubauer in net? And look, he's always been, he's always been good. Yeah. If you look he's at his always playoff, been good. they're fine. <laughs> like, like he's always been good, but he's not been great. And this was his chance to be great. They needed him to get out of that series, they needed more from him, just flat out. They didn't even need that much more. Nope. If he steals one of those games, it's yes, look great. Yeah. For me, it's game five. Because if you look at the numbers in game five, I will just one stat I will throw at people. Okay. Game five, a game in which they lost three to two. Yeah. Game five. Colorado at five V five. Twelve high danger chances. Zero high danger goals. Vegas, six high danger chances, two high danger goals. Yeah. That's it. That right there. That's the difference between losing the series in six and getting at least a seven. I think it's game three for me, man. I know the Az played like garbage that night, but you have a lead with five minutes and 30 seconds left, and you get one big save. Those goals, though, the goal, I, I know, the I know off the back, and then the tip. I think those were both just great plays by 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 those players. I, I hear you, but game five bothered me. The, the greatest goalies in the world find a way to do something spectacular. Well, and and like, what are we talking about here? We're talking. We're splitting hairs between which game do we need him to make the big save? Right. Pick one. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't really. It yeah. doesn't matter which one of us is right. If you yeah. get one of them, yep. If you get one of them, it's a completely new world. Yeah. It, well, you at least go seven. Yep. If you get them both, you, you win in it's five. Over. Yeah. So it was just too much. No, you don't bring Devin Dubnik back. You still have Pablo Franzos. Yeah. You still Fran- have $2 million committed Fran- to that guy. Franzos is the backup slash whatever, 1B, if you want to call it that, depending on how things shake out next year is the easiest decision the Avs maybe have to make <laughs> this offseason. Andrew Kopp is an RFA, so no. Otherwise, I'd be all about it. He's great. I mean, yeah, they're going to queue up, so whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, he's an, he's an RFA. Like, they have no, they have no shot at him. Anyway, I think we're wrapping up for the day. Um, obviously, we'll we'll cover a lot of the topics we touched on in more in depth as we get closer to free agency and and trade potential, all of that stuff. It's going to be a fun time. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited for expansion draft stuff to start ramping up because if there's something we get asked about more than anything, it's expansion draft stuff. And now it's finally time where like. There's I'm really going to be news and information about it. I'm, I'm legitimately shocked. Um, yeah. How many questions? How often we've talked about expansion this year? 
and we've talked about the rules and how many questions we get about basic like process stuff. Yep. So to me that just to me that just says let's I mean we just have to keep talking about it. We have to get into it. Yep. It's a it's a look expansion expansion happens like a couple times Barely every regularly every decade. Yeah. Yeah, like every decade, every other decade. Like from like, 2001 to 2018, 17, is that when Vegas entered? Was like the longest time they'd gone without expanding. In well, and after this, you're like, okay, there's 32 teams. They're tied yep. with the NFL. They have more than the NBA and more than MLB. And, but even then, people like Houston are, are knocking down the door for more teams. Well, and you, I mean, you have you have other cities that people want to get into. You yep. look at you look at uh, Portland. Kansas you look City. at you look at Kansas City. You look at Houston. Yep, there are cities that that they want to get into. The back so, pocket, Quebec, as always. You know, Quebec. You look at Hamilton. Hamilton is, I think, secretly a tough sell because the Leafs would be mad. But I'm only I'm look. I'm just, I'm just acknowledging. All right, Canadian AJ, markets. What about Wood Buffalo? All right. What? Don't worry about it. Okay. The three people who are on hockey Reddit in 2016 will know. Great. <laughs> Big market there. Yeah. Oh yeah. The the population of 12 in Wood Buffalo is really uh really selling it. Yeah. So I'm like expansion is exciting. It's fun, and they set it up so that the expansion team should be competitive. And yep. obviously, we saw lightning in a bottle with Vegas. I don't think we'll get there with Seattle. I'd be shocked if that happened again. I They'll do be think Seattle has a good chance to compete for the postseason because their division, division is, is horrible. Butts. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be horrible. Um, yeah, but you know, at very least, they won't be just a free win for everybody. So. It's going to be a fun time. Can't wait to dig into it a little bit more. But for today, we're out of here. Thank you for watching, listening, however you consume the podcast. We appreciate <laughs> all of y'all so very much. We will be back tomorrow. Um, yeah, obviously, I've been out of the loop a little bit. So we're playing things a little bit by ear at the moment. But I'm sure we have tons of awesome content coming your way. Yeah, we should be, we should be fine Monday through Friday. It's really just... Which topics do we want to pick and choose at this point? Yeah. yeah. Where to where to start, you know? Yep. So glad y'all hung out with us. Hope to see you tomorrow. Until then, we will talk to you all later.